When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is another Movies That Made Me Classic episode with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. That's the idea. This episode of Classic Movies That Made Me is brought to you by... So it's an alternate Friday. That means it's time for a classic movies that made me. And I, one of the things I figured out early on is um, as we started to reach out to people we didn't actually know is that there were all kinds of interesting folks uh, to talk to that we had no connection to. And somehow, uh, do you remember this show? We got Uwe Ball to come on the show. And uh, uh, he was, he was, I thought he was a terrific guest. I mean, it, it was a, it was a very, very pleasant uh, and entertaining conversation. I thought he had particularly fine taste in movies. Um, but I, I do have to say up front, and I think I may have mentioned this in the show. Did we talk about this? That uh, I explained that we wanted him to come on and talk about uh, movies that he loved, sort of 10 films that informed his consciousness or his 10 favorite movies. And, um, we had several emails back and forth before I convinced him that it would not be appropriate for him to do his 10 favorite Uwe Ball films. <laughs> he was uh, sort of the Lawrence Tierney of uh, directors as a guest. Yes, but he was, he was wonderful. He was wonderful. We loved him. We would love to have him back. Uh, gotta, gotta keep up with what he's up to these days. But, uh, this is the great Uwe Ball uh, classic movies that made me. I mean, you saw yesterday, I sent basically the thing like what I think were my 10 most important movies, and I sent a few movies uh, where they really inspired me, and I think they are uh, masterpieces. Of course, the list is bigger, sure, but, uh, but they were just out of my ass, basically. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's kind of, that would be a good uh, motto for the show, Yeah, um, is uh, out of our ass. Uh, in fact, that's, that might be a better title than trailers from hell <laughs> too late now <laughs> too late this is the movies that made me with your hosts josh olson and joe dante as ever with the great Joe Dante and our guest this week is a filmmaker um, who uh, if I can speak freely has a, has a reputation that um, may or may not be deserved. Um, my specific uh, kind of radicalizing experience with him was many years ago, there was a screening of a movie he made called postal uh, 
at a screening room in Hollywood. And my friend, Daniel Waters, the screenwriter, the two of us went off to see it. And uh, I'm looking this gentleman in the eye when I say this. We went, I will admit, to go kind of laugh. And we knew he was going to be there doing an interview. And we thought this will be an interesting train wreck. And we saw Postal. And our jaws hit the floor. It was a brilliant, dark, twisted, very political comedy. Um, and the filmmaker in question uh, gave a really entertaining and intelligent uh, interview at the Q&A afterwards, and I think won almost everybody over. Uh, I am talking of uh, the fascinating and wonderful uh, Uwe Boll, who is here with us uh, in Skype, actually. Um, Hello. I I, I... <laughs> how are, actually, where are you? Are you in Canada? Or are you... Vancouver. Vancouver. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that movie really uh, kind of rocked my world because you walked in, and I'm sure you're no stranger to what your reputation was at that point. <laughs> and here's this guy making a movie that is so uh, out of the mainstream and so smart. My, I wish I could take credit for this line. My friend Dan said, it's the 9-11 movie that America deserves. Um, <laughs> and I, I have to agree. Um, he's going to make many other films. Um, one that really uh, also kind of uh, affected me um, was he made a movie called Assault on Wall Street that uh, I was just uh, discussing with Joe and Don here beforehand. Um, pretty much every screenwriter I know has been brought in to pitch ideas on the Death Wish movie over the years. And I know I'm not the only one uh, who has suggested to the various uh, incarnations of producers on this thing that um, street crime is not really that big a deal anymore, that if you really want to tap into the zeitgeist, uh, you need to have your guy um, be someone whose wife, say, was killed by an insurance company and he goes after Wall Street. And they would always go, oh, nice idea, and then move on. Um well, you made that film. Uh, you made Assault on Wall Street, which is, again, that I think I've sort of summed up the plot, but a very smart, dark, political action film. Very entertaining. Um, you've gone on to make a series of uh, more kind of political action films, the Rampage series, uh, which are which are also uh, very, very entertaining and very smart. But you have this sort of overall reputation that I think keeps a lot of people away from those films. And um, I'll be honest, there's an agenda here. My hope is in the conversation about, uh, the movies that have inspired you, we can kind of wake people up to the fact that there is a lot more to you than maybe some people think. I've been talking a lot. I apologize. Does that, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, um, of course I, um, made, started with in Germany with a few movies and, uh, the first one was German fright movie. It was basically, uh, in a way, inspired by Kentucky Fried Movie. And we did a German version with almost no money. And it was actually uh, received very well. And we made even money in the movie theaters with it. And uh, then I did a movie, Barshall, Murray, and Geneva, what was basically about the... It's a political case in Germany where an actual prime minister of a German state got found dead in the bathtub in Geneva, uh, 1987. And it turned out, uh, so they counted a suicide. It was officially a suicide, but he got poisoned, a little like what Putin is doing now. And he was, he was uh, in the same hotel at the same time, was the son from Ayatollah Khomeini and uh, various Eastern German agents. 
And we went um, down to basically Geneva. And so we made the movie. We got like our telephones got taped in between. So we heard echoes, whatever we changed. We, we uh, uh, figured out. And, and our uh, solution is that that was a political, uh, a real murder case, right? So, and uh, because he turned out 10 years later, after my movie, it turned out he was very involved in weapon deals um, with Eastern Germany as a West German polit politics. There was a lot of bribery going on. And in the times of the Cold War, I don't want to take to talk too long about it, but it's an interesting story. In the Cold War, you can say that Eastern Germany delivered weapons to all the communist countries and Western Germany delivered weapons to all the more uh, NATO-friendly uh, uh, countries. They divided it up, but they made together money on it. And uh, uh, because Eastern Germany needed German, West German currency uh, because their currency was worthless, basically. So that movie tanked totally. <laughs> and I thought that this is the end of my film career. Uh, because I got also political flag. And then I made one more German movie, Run Amok, uh, where I basically have a guy running Amok. Uh, you never see the police, you just see him. And it's uh, the last 25 minutes of the movie is Richard Strauss' uh, Totenverklärung uh, Symphony with the Berlin Symphony Orchestra in a slow-mo uh, Amok run. Uh, it was basically me saying goodbye to the film industry I, because I never got subsidies in Germany. I was always an outsider. So I felt like if I go... If, it, if, if that was it, I go with a bang. And it, I think the movie is uh, extremely good, but it's totally artificial, right? I mean, I never saw something like this before. I mean, 25 minutes in slow motion. And if you ever listen to Richard Strauss' Totenverklärung, he did the also Sprach Zarathustra, also what you know from 2001, right? It's mm -hmm. the same composer. Yeah. But that tot, death, death and uh, it's about death, that it's the biggest, most bombastic symphony ever done in the history of music. So if you ever uh, have a chance to see that in the New York Philharmonie or the Berlin or Vienna, uh, that is something what puts like any Hollywood composer into the dust. Because you have like in the end of the last eight minutes of that symphony, you have eight, like 120 musicians all playing every instrument in full force. And uh, it, it's, it's an amazing thing. And that, that specific symphony was my biggest inspiring music I always listened to when I wrote, when I was a kid, when I was like, I started writing very early and uh, uh, and when I went to university and, and studied literature and, and so on, it was very inspiring uh, for me. And then about when you, when you talk about inspiration, when I got all the negative reviews and the golden raspberries for my video game-based movies, like House of the Dead, Alone in the Dark, Blood Rain, uh, I was kind of okay, but they I got that movie's financed. Right. You know, I never got subsidies, what Wim Wenders gets in Germany or all that other director. So I had to raise money for my movies, and I was in a dead end, like with my more arthouse movies, whatever, nobody made any money on it. And then House of the Dead, the Sega video game, came out of the blue, basically, and I was able to finance it, and it actually generated millions of dollars in profit on our account, not only on Lionsgate's account or whatever, on our account. And that we all know is very rare in the film industry, that as a filmmaker, you actually like double your money and you can show your investors, you know what you made? You made 100 fucking percent 
Yeah, and so that, that opened more investments in my movies. And so, uh, but at the same time, uh, it moved the way my reputation moved the way totally to I'm a trash filmer. I'm uh, Ed Wood. I'm, uh, uh, you know, like I'm an idiot and whatsoever. So, and it, it uh, and, and I was upset about it. I was fighting back. That was the biggest mistake, you know, when you, uh, uh, I, I never had a Hollywood agent management PR company, whatever, you know, when like, uh, 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 yeah, what is the fat guy from Austin? Harry Knowles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you know, he trashed me to the garbage, right? And I told him like, you just for me, a fat fucking asshole. Uh, you have no clue from film history, you know, like, I mean, I, I grew up, there was only like cinema, right? So there was, there were no, no TV cable channels, no Netflix, whatever. I watched uh, uh, Romero's uh, Dawn of the Dead or the Once Upon a Time uh, uh, in the West from uh, Sergio Leone or whatever. I watched Apocalypse Now, The Deer Hunter, whatever. I watched that in the movie theaters. That was my education, film education. Like uh, from Ingmar Bergman movies to Pasolini to uh, uh, I went and watched them, you know, and 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 so to tell me uh, I have no clue from film history uh, is laughable. Well, you know, it's like it was for me always laughable. That was the reason I was so aggressive about it because I really watched thousands of movies. I know uh, uh, from Potemkin, from Eisenstein, whatever. I really know from the ground up what up what happened in the film industry. And it's not like my filmography or, or film knowledge as we have now in Hollywood starts with Star Wars. Right. <laughs> or people think that is an important movie or whatever, you know? So that is, that is the thing. It's like, uh, uh, it, it's, it's for me like, um, um, you know, when, when you ask average people, Orson Welles, they would say Citizen Kane, you know, but they were, they were not like, the, the House Embers and whatever, they don't know Othello, what, Macbeth, whatever, they don't know all these other movies because it's just something they snap out of Instagram or, or whatsoever. So, you know, and that was why, why I was unhappy. And I think also later I made that other movies with posters, South Awards, Rampage, I made a movie about Darfur, the genocide in Darfur, uh, uh, you know, stoic about a, a prison situation where three people tortured and raped the guy over the weekend. We played it all in one prison cell and they had the actors they had to stay in the prison cell for the for the duration of the movie it was Edward Forlong is in it uh, um, uh, um, uh, the son from Barry Levinson is in it it's an amazing movie and never got any credit or whatsoever you know like the only money I ever made was with the stupid video game based movies and everything else got completely ignored or even bashed and uh, so it was a very frustrating um like last 12 years. Uh, I can imagine while, while you were talking about music, by the way, Don, our engineer, who's a great composer himself, uh, musician was nodding along in agreement. So, um, but that seems like a great way to segue into, you know, let's talk about the movies that kind of inspired you coming up. Um, I'm also interested. You, you didn't here in America. We had, uh, you know, pre cable, we had, you know, a few TV channels and they would run old black and white movies. So if you were a kid of a certain age, you know, it was almost forced upon you, but you're, you're saying you didn't have that. You actually had to go to theaters as a kid to. No, yeah, no, no. I went, there was one movie theater in Bookshite, small town where I'm coming from, from by Cologne. And they had matinees every, every Saturday and Sunday. And they showed only like 
uh, and my parents, I was six, seven, and I walked alone to the movie theater. My parents just, okay, I watched the matinee. I had no clue what was coming. But there was like uh, uh, Mutant of the Bounty, Kovadis, Ben uh, Hur, like movies like this. And I was like the whole Sunday because they were mostly also like three, four hours long. Right. Lawrence, Arabia, whatever. So I watched all of this. And but in a movie in the TV at that point, we had also two channels and they showed classics, mm. uh, uh, but they were all at 10 p.m. Right. It was too small. I mean, you kind of like, you know, and then later when I was 11, 12, 13 years old, I dealt with my mother and said, look, uh, let me watch that movie. I know it's from 10 to 12. But uh, <laughs> I sleep in the afternoon an hour. So I did. I, deal, I, I was able to watch stuff in TV too, but um, mostly the daytime stuff was kids stuff, and I was not really into this anymore. And I, I will never forget, I was like 12 and deal with my mother that I can watch Rosemary's Baby. Uh. And I was so shocked, I couldn't sleep for three days. And, and uh, uh, because I was, my parents were already sleeping, and I was like completely scared shitless. And, uh, uh, but, but for example, uh, what I loved was on the Saturdays, I could sleep uh, at my grandma's uh, house. My grandpa was already dead, but I could sleep uh, in her house. And she always let me watch the Western in the in TV in the Saturday evening. And it was so I watched, from, of course, El Dorado, Rio Grande, uh, the, all the John Ford, the Howard Hawks Western, John Houston, you know, so uh, um, Treasure of Sierra Madre. So you watched a lot of, uh, I mean, at that point, the TV really picked the good stuff, right. you know, right. how, whatever, how the West was worn. So you, what, I watched all that, that Western classics uh, uh, from hundreds of them uh, over the uh, over the years uh, um, and loved it. I, I still love Western. And uh, uh, I'm always happy if from time to time a new Western comes out. Not not a lot getting done, uh, uh, but I think it's a it's a great genre. Uh, absolutely agreed. Um, well, why don't we? Uh, you've got a list of uh, the ten sort of movies that most inspired you. Is that the? Do you or, want to start or ten, at, ten of the movies, or ten of the movies that uh, if you want to sort of start at the bottom and work your way up, well, we can kind of get yeah, a feel I mean, for. I mean, uh, I would say uh, um, as the, the the initial movie, what made what made me. I want to make movies. Is *Mutinity of the Bounty* uh, and not not the old one with with uh, Clark Gable, the the, uh, the Marlon Brando. On December twenty third, seventeen eighty seven, His Majesty's ship Bounty sailed from England, bound for the South Seas. En route, there began a fantastic series of historical events, culminating in the most famous mutiny in history. The dramatic story of that mutiny has for more than a century excited the imagination of men, women, and children the world over. Okay. And, and, and yeah, not, not the, I don't know what. Not the Mel Gibson the, ones. Other, other yeah, shitty ones, whatever. But, but the, so the, the, uh, uh, the Marlon Brando one, because I felt like, oh, I want to do this. I want to make movies. I want to be in the Caribbeans. I want to have adventures. I want to be like, uh, uh, travel through the world and doing movies like this. That wasn't really like, uh, I watched it in the movie theater came back home, told my mother, I want to make movies. And it was also kind of an, uh, so that I started reading about movies or directors or genres. When I was like 11, 12, I started reading books uh, uh, about it, right? So, and uh, um, 
when you had later the true four book about Hitchcock, whatever, all that stuff. Uh, um, uh, uh, Krakauer and, and, and uh, you know, James Monaco, how movies getting made, all that early stuff. So I read all of this too. And so I never lost the, the, the interest for like being just watching a movie, being fascinated. And at the same time, uh, getting a little more background info uh, about it. And um, I think one of the, if, if I go to like movie number two, uh, would be Jaws. Ah. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, so because it was also this guy, I mean, A, I think it's, it, it's, it's just a sensational movie. And I think a real good movie, you can only see 20, 30 years later, you can really judge this. And, and Jaws is a movie I can watch every year without being bored. Yeah. And it's like just hooked to it. You just like watch it and it's just like uh, uh, engaging. Uh, uh, I mean, a real genre movie with great actors, great directing with, without all the CGI, you know, like, I mean, we all know the disastrous shooting uh, situation of, of Jaws. Yeah. Uh, and, and, um, but I think it's, uh, it's just, it was a very inspiring movie uh, to, for me also in regards of doing genre um, and not only like dramas or comedy. Uh, uh, and, and I just uh, loved Jaws because it was this kind of, everybody was scared shitless in the movie theater. And that, that was also way before social media way before you could have any information. So you were, you only know, oh, it's a Steven Spielberg film, it's Jaws now, and then you see the opening, and you're already like, oh, God. Yeah, so right. a, a, a great movie, and I think a movie what what, what still delivers. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I want to take advantage of the fact that we've got two directors here. Um, Joe. No waiting. <laughs> what? Two directors, no waiting. That was two directors, my, no my waiting. slogan on my first film, which had a co-director. <laughs> I, what, one of the things that has always fascinated me is that I can think of few things that exist on the planet right now other than that are more terrifying than sharks. And they're just frightening creatures. You and Trump. And well, okay, fine. <laughs> No, he's afraid what, of sharks. Oh, is he? Yeah. Wait, you're not? Shark phobia. No, I don't spend that much time in the water. I, 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 I'm afraid of piranhas. <laughs> a good fear. But right, how but come? In, in the internet right now is a new trailer, a new Jason Statham movie with a huge shark. But oh, yeah, the Meg. The Meg. That script. Yeah, it looks like absurd, right? That script has been floating around for oh, yeah, 20 years. years. 20 years, years. Yeah. And, and everybody turns it down because it's so stupid. And yeah, yet finally they managed to find the money. <laughs> well, I, I hope, I hope they fix the script, but I, I, I guess what's fascinating to me, because here's, I can't imagine anything easier than making a movie in which a shark is a terrifying presence. And yet it'd be a lot easier to do it if you didn't see the shark. <laughs> well, clearly, but I, it's, it's fascinating to me that for such a terrifying creature, there's really only one genuinely frightening shark movie. Why, why is that? Well, there have been shark movies. But they're not scary. Uh, well, because they didn't have the resources, for one thing. And, and the, it's based on a book that's pretty well structured. Uh, and uh, the other pictures, there's a Sam Fuller movie called Shark, yeah, which has a, a shark scene in it, because right. that wasn't the real title. Uh, there's Blue Water, White Death, which is a documentary. documentary. Um, and there's the shark, the shark Fighters with Victor Mature, where not, you not don't see the shark very much. You see the fins. <laughs> The Finns tend to stand in for the sharks in mm -hmm. most of those movies. Just like in Piranhas, they always they used to shoot BBs on the top of the water and it would say, oh, there's piranhas in there because nobody uh, had any footage of real piranhas, you know. 
Um, but sharks, sharks are pretty scary. But you know. right, but but it was, which is what I'm saying is there. It should be easier to make. It's hard to make those movies. That's why they don't make them. As, I guess as, as, sure because you have to go in the water. And animals, right? So, but what what was that one movie with the girl who was stranded on that rock? The Shallows. Isn't the it? Shallows. Yeah, that was not bad. That was actually pretty good. And forty-seven so, meters down was pretty good. It was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, there's also the one with uh, Mandy Moore, forty-seven meters down, where she's actually trapped underwater with sharks. Have you seen that? No, but I, 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 all, my point is that the reason you don't see more of these pictures yeah. is because they're very difficult to make. Oh no, I yeah, I agree. But it just seems that when they do make them, they're they're usually not frightening. Which no, especially Sharknado or whatever the Sharknado. Sharknado, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we have like Pontara Reef, and and yet there's <laughs> forty of those things now. Yeah, I know it's crazy. I mean, I, I thought the first one was actually so absurd that it was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a trauma. Like yeah. spirit, where you feel like, really, and, and you can you can have a blast watching stuff like this if you're just in the right mood, right? But then it turned out to be like completely shit. Well, now it's a now it's a genre, you know. Yeah, Piranaconda, and uh, you know, the, the, there's all those pictures that Corman made with have the funny yeah. titles, uh, and and, they, and they're all made for for Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah, for nothing. For nothing. Uh, there's one I, I can't remember. Is it is it Mega Shark where it uh, Mega Shark versus this giant octopus something, <laughs> and the the giant shark leaps out of the water the, and eats a seven forty seven. Yeah, the, the the titles come first. Yeah, then the poster, then the movie. Well, some a, good a films come out tradition. of that model. Yes, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was a teenage werewolf. <laughs> yes, or, uh, Hollywood Boulevard. Um, all right. Well, what's what's next on your list, sir? No. Well, if we go to Citizen Kane, I mean, it's a lot, uh, of course. But uh, I bring it up because it was so funny. I just watched on Netflix that Trump doku, right? Where he, he oh got, yeah, what is your favorite film? He said Citizen Kane, and then they ask him what is your uh, uh, message or what 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 you sing about, and he said, look, money alone doesn't make you happy. Uh, as you see in the relationship between a citizen Kane, like Kane and the wife, and then what is your solution? Is to get another wife. <laughs> <laughs> and it was actually I was laughing. I saw it for a moment he actually understood citizen Kane, but his solution is get the fuck with the wife, yeah. like get out of it. I mean, it was so funny. I, I couldn't believe it. And so the the I mean the great scene of of citizen Kane for me was of course always when he finished the review uh, uh, about his wife, the, 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 the mm. newspaper review, where, mm-hmm. where he actually sticks to the truth and uh, like trashes her into the ground. And um, that for me made the movie in a way, like the emo- emotional arc of, of the movie. Um, it was just uh, for me like touching, you know, like it's it's kind of like it's it's a it's a kind of a, a darker movie. We know it's about hers, whatever. But at the same time, um, I think why it's so interesting, it ha- it has a little more in it. Uh, uh, what what you what in some masterpieces you cannot explain it, but it's there. Yep. You know, like I I don't know. It's like a lot of times when it, when you have the feeling now you watched something. Uh, um, important for the film history, but also important for yourself in a way. It's this kind of, it comes, uh, it's almost not explainable with normal film analytic sense, you know? So uh, I had the same with Breaking the Waves. 
from mm. Last Montreal. You know, what is a movie? I'm not the biggest Last Montreal fan, to be honest. I think he's kind of a crazy person. And, and I think most, a lot of his movies are actually crap. Uh, but Breaking the Waves, uh, I watched that in Cologne in a movie theater, and I was absolutely blown away. It was just like this kind of like, I mean, the, the idea that the guy cannot walk anymore, and he can only walk if his wife basically throws herself out as a prostitute and sleeps with massive people getting raped, whatever. So as more the wife suffers, he recovers. And in the end, he can walk and the wife is dead. Uh, I mean, you have to come to an idea like this. I mean, that is like just uh, uh, unbelievable and, and uh, a very tough movie. But but I think also that was that was a masterpiece. I mean, it really got me. Uh, 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 emotionally also yeah he's he's an interesting filmmaker too because i I'm, I'm with you some of his films just leave me absolutely cold and some of them just wreck me for days i don't know um where were you a fan of melancholia no no oh i, <laughs> I like that one it, it uh, that that really got me and and um Oh, but you have, you have, I think what you have with the Danish filmmakers a lot of times is they're getting famous, then they're getting all the actors they want, and then they're getting pretentious, and they're getting this kind of art, arty, you know, so where I had the same, I was here on set, uh, my producer here, I worked in Vancouver with, he, he produced also the, is it, uh, who, who did Fast, the Festen, like the, the Fast. Oh, like, Festen? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, oh, God. Michael Winterbottom, or what? It was a Danish guy. Festival. Yeah, is it? Uh, uh, oh, the feast. Yeah, sorry, yeah, the celebration. The celebration. Um, um, God, this is, uh, Thomas Winterberg. Thomas Winterberg. So, and as you know, he made after he got a movie done with Sean Penn. Right. And of course, when you see like the celebration movie, how emotional it was. It was oh, a great yeah. movie, right? Yeah. And it worked only because they did it like a theater play. Yeah. Everybody could play that movie in a day. You know, like so, and, and and so he came out of a very good movie, very good actors, uh, uh, in his mother language, and then was thrown into that Hollywood thing where uh, he learned like some actors think it's strategically good, and then I think I had the same feeling with Last Frontier with some of his movies where he got like Kirsten Dunn and all that people and Nicole Kidman, and it's like because the agents told them. Oh, you have to do like a European hardhouse movie with the hottest uh, guy in Europe right now. And that was at that point last, last one, Tria, you know. So, um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's an interesting, I think an interesting story. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, Vinterberg yeah. bounced back at least. And he did a, a film a couple of years ago I loved with Mads Mikkelsen called The Hunt. Um, yeah, that's which was terrific. So he, he did manage to recover from his uh, sojourn to America. But that seems tough. to be a lot. A lot of times European directors do not uh, recover. Yeah. They come, they come here, they get, they get heaps of praise uh, on them. And then they are completely undercut by the studio. Well, I feel like we, we lionize these foreign filmmakers, then bring them over here. And the first thing it feels like, I mean, I haven't been through this, but I watched the films. I remember it happened with John Woo and I just got the sense that they've grabbed this great filmmaker who's making movies that they're not capable of making, bring them to America, and then the first thing they do is they decide they're going to teach them how to make movies. Absolutely. They put you in a box. And it's, but they do that with domestic directors as well. So. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then, the, I mean, a new trend is to have just unknown young directors, right, where I think, like, all that 
people they get like the two hundred million dollar movies, and you never heard about that name before, or maybe even after. And I don't. I, I sometimes think they're just like executioners. Well, they like to. They like to. They like to get people who don't know the rules and who don't know what. Who when when the studio comes to them and says, "This is what we want. Do it this way," and they go, "Oh, okay. I guess that's the way it's done. Uh, I guess I'll do it that way." And you know, that's not a recipe for making good movies. No, and no, I agree. And it's it's just like uh, technocrats, right? So people they know the technical. Uh, coming from that CGI background and stuff like this, mm-hmm. and, and uh, but they're not really storytellers, and and that is one of my biggest problems I have with all that event movies. I'm just not really into it. You know, I'm not into the new Star Wars, the new Star Trek, and they're getting hyped and hyped, and everybody talks about it. I think also that, that is the trend in the last eight years or whatever is this kind of the the reviewers, the TV stations, the talk shows. They're all acting like. They are important movies. You know, for me also, Black Panther is not important only because there are black people playing it, right? So, I, I mean, it's just like they, 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 the thing's getting a huge thing, but, it, but it's still popcorn cinema and nothing else. And they make, they're making the things out of it what is just not there. And, and I think, you know, like uh, uh, I just was today, I drove... Uh, uh, I was walking my dogs and I thought about like when I thought about the Oscars this year, right? Think about a movie like Little Miss Sunshine that was 10 times better as any movie what was nominated this year or last year for the Oscars. Like Moonlight is a good TV movie, not more at all. You know, but but now movies getting prizes or whatever, they have no real importance whatsoever, but they're getting in, in a trend where everybody jumps on. You know, and, and that is the thing, but that is, I think, what, what completely went lost. Like in earlier years, and going down on my list, right, we do the, of course, the Deer Hunter would be on the list. Apocalypse Now would be on the list. Uh, uh, for me, there were like groundbreaking movies, and, and uh, um, they, they transported also information, like a real message to the world and information about, like, uh, uh, yes. Vietnam was crazy. You know, it was it was not only the wrong war, but it was also like crazy. It broke a whole generation of people uh, um, in, uh, uh, you know, and, and then, of course, like 20, 30 years later, the Vietnam veterans uh, who are, all got, got completely fucked over by the government. They didn't get paid. They didn't get the, the, the medical support, whatever. And then they're standing there with uh, Make America Great Again and voting for Trump, who will take the last bit of, of Medicaid and everything away from everybody. And, uh, you know, it's like that is, the, cra- that is the, the crazy world. But I think that the crazy world we're in right now uh, is shown in movies like this. And, and they were important movies. Well, may- may- maybe this audience is getting the movies they deserve. <laughs> yeah, that is true. And, and uh, it's a depressing uh, thought. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, the, the 70s was a time when people were questioning everything. There were a lot of fascinating filmmakers. Studios were making movies that now they would never touch. That would be instant indies. Uh, and now basically, you know, it started It started with Jaws, where the, the, the B picture became the A picture. 
but now uh, superhero movies, which were pretty much the lowest rung on the ladder when I was a kid. I mean, the, yeah. the, the budgets allowed for those pictures where they were serials, they were the, TV, the Superman TV series, all done on very low budgets, yeah. all for basically aimed at kids. Now that has become, that's that's adult entertainment. That is now the the, the cornerstone of our culture. And uh, it's, I, I've just made a rule, no more movies with people with capes in them. I'm not going to see anybody who's got a cape in a movie unless he's Dracula. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, what if it's Dracula? <laughs> How about Zorro? Uh, um, yeah, I, I had a kind of flash of revelation a few years ago at Comic-Con, which I used to go to regularly many, 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 many years ago as a sort of... They used to sell comic books then. Um, <laughs> as, uh, yeah, exactly. I'd, and and it was sort of a, a shameful subculture that uh, I was uh, part of. Well, but, it was an outlaw subculture, but yeah. now, it's the, now it's the culture. Well, what I realized looking around last time is this is what happens when a species loses its natural predator. <laughs> is It's just taken over everything uh, as far as... My mother now knows about Comic-Con because it's covered... In, in national oh, it's like media. the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, ah. This classic episode of The Movies That Made Me is going to take a little break, but we'll be right back after these important messages. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, well, what's what's next on your list? Right. Coming, going back to the to superhero stuff for a second more, uh, I think also like when I... Uh, uh, Criticize. I mean, who cares if I criticize something? But I think they are all, in a way, indirect. Also, uh, support for the troops, support for the military complex in America, right? Because with Avengers, whatever, it's just the people. Like my kids, they believe superheroes are real, right? So I mean, that's the thing. I mean, not the older one. He's like ten. He doesn't believe it anymore. He knows it's fake. But the younger one, and so, and it's this kind of a lost battle. You know, right. I spent so much fucking money on Transformer uh, 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 <laughs> Optimus Prime figures or whatever for my kids, and I hate Michael Bay and I hate the movies. You know, but I <laughs> but I have I have no choice. That is the you know. So and and uh, I mean that 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 is the biggest problem that they are all showing problems getting solved by violence. With you know, there is no question that there is a battle, no question there is a war. It's like, and, and this in an overwhelming way, in a way, I think makes people also like Trump happening, makes this kind of a normal situation. You always have some bombing somewhere, you know, like whatever the world is like, you have here a civil war and then you throw some bombs and then you do this or you give weapons first to the Taliban, then the Taliban hates you, then you have to fight the Taliban. You know, it's like this endless loop of acceptance of, uh, we clear everything up with weapons, and and in in a, in a superhero way, they hope for something special to solve all the problems. You need Iron Man, you you, you know whatever you need. They you need that special, not the Navy Seals. We need to go higher. We need to get people. Uh, they have superpower, and I think that is uh, the biggest 
uh, threat right now in a way what we're doing with our children uh, because all of this other uh, ideas about uh, how society can can be and how uh, um, like countries can be or whatever like all that stuff what I think we got from that older movies we grew up with uh, is gone yep. you know yeah, and that that is the thing where where uh, where I feel also like a lot of the actors that just grab the money and and run, right? So they think like uh, Robert Downey Jr. is a great actor. We know he's a great actor, right? So, but at one point he made the decision, I want to make two hundred million dollars in the next ten years, and and he's making them. So uh, you know, it's uh, I don't know. It's it's a kind of a sad story. Most of the movies running are not interesting for me at all anymore. And to, to get back to what you were saying a minute ago, uh, a friend of mine just pointed out to me recently the the new Avengers film. The title is Infinity War, <laughs> which is essentially been America's foreign policy for my entire life. We're infinitely at war. And it just seems to be a way of selling this. So here's, here's a question to you, and it's going to sound like a challenge. And I don't mean it that way because I myself write, I, I share a lot of these views and I write movies that... Uh, engage with violence and so forth, but you make, um, you know, for instance, the Rampage films or Assault on Wall Street. The, these are films that use violence to essentially address problems as well. But there is a difference, and I wonder, can you kind of enunciate that difference? Because I struggle with that all the time between what you're talking about in kind of mainstream films and yet what you're trying to do with your own movies. Yeah, I mean, with Assault on Wall Street, what what, what I was. Uh, interested in why why I uh, there are also movies I wrote the video game based movies I never wrote but there are movies I wrote and I felt uh, how can it be that we have seven thousand suicides after the foreclosures and everything like seven thousand Americans killed themselves in four years and they all lost their houses they lost their existence in the banking crisis and at the same time we have nobody going to jail. We have even like uh, 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 2008, you know, that was like, okay, now we have to regulate the banks, blah, blah, blah. And nothing got done. And people like Richard Fold from Lehman Brothers have got $400 million out of Lehman Brothers. Lehman Brothers went under, you know, with $800 billion in debt and the taxpayers have to shoulder it in a way. They moved it all to the bad banks. Why, if we have shootings every day in America, Every day. I mean, how many schools we want to shoot up, right? But why nobody ever went to Wall Street and really shoot that people? I mean, that, there's a lot of music. But, but I think it, it, it's a good question because it's, are they so scared to just kick the door in that Lehman Brothers or Goldman Sachs, whatever, and, and shoot the way up and shoot the CEO or uh, don't go to a public appearance? I, I mean, that is the thing. But we have so many, even the political motivated uh, more ISIS people, whatever, running amok. They did it on military bases. They, uh, you know, like, but but it's it's not like uh, really existing. And uh, I got criticized. I said, yeah, basically say that they should go and shoot the bankers. And and I said for a movie, I want to scare the bankers. I want that the bankers watch my movie and think, oh, uh, maybe I was only lucky so far that I didn't get shot in my favorite Manhattan restaurant. Uh, you know, drinking Chatilla Fit. So, uh, uh, I mean, you know, like, so, but, but that was the, I think that was, I tried to do the movie, the opposite to Wall Street 2. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I think Wall Street too is just rich pricks are whiny uh, about their existence, but there was nobody who actually lost anything for real in Wall Street too. And then I put in the South of Wall Street that his wife kills herself because they cannot pay the medical bills anymore. You know, and that is the point what drives him over the edge, where he thinks like, uh, you know what, fuck it. I go after them and, and shoot them. And and, uh, and I think that is totally understandable. It's still murder. But, I mean, if you lose everything and you can now be a, a homeless guy at the street corner or you strike back, that, I mean, what, what do you want to do, right? So, and, and, and I think uh, what, what a lot of people... And they, the, the crazy thing is this. We had Bernie Sanders who tried to do a revolutionary thing and he didn't get even nominated. And you have Trump who said, I'm doing a revolutionary thing, but all the wrong things. But he got, I think, elected because the people wanted that revolutionary thing. Yeah. You know, and I think that is an overall tendency, I think, in, in, in the society right now, in, in Europe and the US, that... Um, the people feel the injustice, but they maybe vote them exactly in the wrong. I mean, Trump told everybody, I take care of you, blah, blah, blah. He was lying and lying and lying. And his politic is only to make the rich richer and the poor poorer. So, but the people don't know that. Right. You know, because because there is kind of a fascist channel with Fox News. What is, uh, you know, when they all criticize now the Russian TV channels, I mean, Fox News is like a Russian TV channel in America, just spreading out lies, uh, blur, like blurring the facts and, and uh, that should be shut down or it should be like written advertising on, 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 on the channel. And uh, um, I think we have, that is a dangerous, it's a dangerous situation where, where we're moving and the movies and the movie industry doesn't help. It doesn't. It doesn't uh, really point thing out, and and I think with Rampage, what was a different uh, uh, thing because it's it's three, it's like a three part miniseries spread over eight years where we follow a domestic terrorist basically in Rampage. But I but I think Brandon Fletcher did a great uh, job there because he is a murderer, he is a mass murderer, but he points out the right point. Right. He, he said, like, there will be no uh, uh, nonviolent solution because we are sold out to the rich, like the, the, the lobbyists and in, in Washington and whatsoever. And, and they, they control in the very end. Uh, you can pick if you get controlled by the oil and weapon industry and the republic, you know, like the Republican fossil fuel uh, uh, people or you are controlled by uh, the the Wall Street and more Silicon Valley uh, uh, parties when, when when the Democrats are in power, and uh, that is what what that guy in Rampage uh, uh, is 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 saying and doing, and um, it's a point. You know, it's like it's it's not done anymore. I think the U.S. has a ma- massive problem because there are only two parties, and the election process is it's either or. Like in any other country, in Canada, in, in uh, uh, Germany, whatever, you have to build coalitions. You have to, you know, you have like four or five parties, they're all getting 10, 20, 30 percent. So you have this kind of uh, a force like Merkel now has to work with the Social Democrats in Germany, and they force her to do more for the labor force, to do more social security, to do more 
for the medical thing because she didn't get 50%, right? So as an example, and Merkel is already like a middle conservative. She's not a right wing. She's more in the middle. But every country normally has this kind of uh, uh, different influences who in the end try to make uh, uh, politics for the majority of the people in the country. But I think that is in U.S. absolutely not the case. And well, it's exacerbated by the fact that in the U.S. 60% of the people don't vote. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. But uh, um, why do you think they don't vote? Because they're zero interested, or they're just forgetting it that it's the vote day, or whatever. I, mean, I but- think they, I think they're largely not interested. I think those of us who follow politics and uh, tend to live in a certain bubble where we think that everybody is thinking about the things that we're thinking about, and uh, a lot of people are just thinking about how they're going to pay their bills, you know. Uh, and and there's a large portion of the country, as exemplified by the Tea Party a few years ago that basically doesn't like change, doesn't like progress. It wants to go back. It wants to go back to the 1950s and uh, where, where people knew their place and uh, there was segregation. And uh, it, 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 these, these things are not coming back. See, the, 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 the fly in the ointment is that, you know, they don't like immigration, too bad. There's a lot of people who are here. There's a country of immigrants and there's never going to not be a country of immigrants, no matter how they try. Uh, and, it's, and the future is the young people. And if you look at the school, the, the school walkouts that we had and the the, the gun uh, yeah. gun control stuff. I mean, th- these are they're things that are spearheaded by young people. And that's the only hope that this country has is that these people are eventually going to get, um, you know, old enough to vote and get rid of some of these old farts who just want to line their pockets at everybody's expense. But I would also say it's, it's easy to keep people from voting if you continue to just kind of. Uh, no, I was, I wasn't even talking about so, the efforts that they yeah. make to, to legitimately stop people from voting. I'm talking about people who just aren't interested. In oh voting no, but I'm saying all. it's easy to keep people at home by just continuing to feed them this, this sort of hopelessness and, and despair. Well, that's what they do at Fox. I mean, you know, yep. they, they just don't cover stories that they don't want people to know. Yeah. And then they, if, but, I think if, one, but I think also like, what the new dimension is, what Trump brought, is that denial of facts. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think, like, let's take a Bush. I hated George Bush Jr. I hated him, right? I think totally corrupt, made up the weapons of mass destruction, a crime. He should be charged for it, whatever. But they would not go so far to say the earth is flat. <laughs> and uh, whatever, like, like totally, or whatever, like, when, when you remember... Uh, uh, when when Trump is doing the Trump the the trade talks, he says Canada has a huge surplus in trading with U.S. It's just not true. It's not true, and it's in the U.S. budget. Like you know, it's the opposite. Like U.S. sells more to Canada as Canada to U.S. So, and nobody at Fox said it's total bullshit. Or somebody to Trump or or the the what is it, the PR the press secretary Sarah Sakabianis whatever she defends. Total lies. She is a, she, she is an accomplished liar, and you know we are now governed in our country by Fox News. He yeah. he he gets up in the morning. The first thing he does is turn on his favorite television show with these three mooks sitting there staring at the camera, telling him what he should do that day, and yeah. he does it. And he goes out and he literally word for word tweets what these people tell him to tweet. I mean, this is this is not a normal situation. I I don't think even Orwell envisioned. This particular it is the next step beyond that. Uh, I would point out, I mean, George W. Bush was a climate change denier, though. I mean, there's there's uh, 
This is not the first time we've had people who believe in absolute garbage in the White House. It's just the most extreme version, I think. Yeah, but, the the, but, but, but usually some of them had one or two redeeming characteristics. This guy is a dangerous lunatic. And he is, he is at the most powerful position in the entire world. And nobody is doing anything about it. That's what I find astonishing. And the people yeah. who are supposed to be behind him, his, his grand old party, which now is in tatters because it's now the Trump party. And all of the normal people in the party have left. They're all quitting. Uh, the ones that are dare to say anything bad immediately are scared away. And they're not because, because of, quote, the base. The base is 30% of the country that is running the other 70% of the country. And I don't understand how that works. Yeah, and it's exactly how you say, like, remember when he visited Duarte in the Philippines and then he came back and was asking for the death penalty for everybody. Basically. For drug dealers, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, and, and we need more death penalty. So it's like whatever, whoever basically talks to him, if he goes to North Korea, he comes back completely brainwashed. Right. Yep. They will just say, look, we are the good guys, you're the bad guys, so it doesn't make any sense. Whatever, like like but and then he comes back away oh, with a great relationship with Kim Il Jung. Two weeks later, it will all turn 180 because Kim Il Jung Twitter, whatever, Trump is bold, he has a wig on. And then everything, <laughs> then everything is over. It's like the third world war, right? So and that is my biggest problem. It's like that I don't think that the Bush Jr., uh, who was maybe the weakest after Trump as a president would go so balloony and you know like on everything and also george bush jr didn't put like on top of the epa a climate change denier he maybe denied the climate but the epa was still like full of scientists yeah yeah you know and that is the big difference trump exchanged everybody uh uh into like scott pruitt but like completely absurdity he made a massage therapist the chef of uh, of, a, of an agency with 38,000 people because nobody else wanted to do it anymore. And, and the, the massage therapist was maybe in his room right now. And he felt, who can grab me like this? Uh, can whatever leave the agency? But I have to open the door for my dog. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just to get out. So that, I think that is the thing, what, what is unseen and... Uh, but we're already, I have already the feeling CNN and everybody, they gave up. You know, I have this kind of feeling that they basically felt like uh, they, they, they do everything against Trump every day. But in a way, the energy is already out, out of Anderson Cooper. And well, it's exhausting covering a, covering a guy who's crazy. You know, it's you don't know what he's going to do. He's, he's got people. He's got his caddy running the country. He's 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 insane. He's, he's, this is and he's enabled by people who are afraid of him, uh, and he's 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 about as powerful as his hairdo. But uh, oh, was that you? That's mine. Sorry. But, you know, the, the problem also my is, dog calling me. You know, CNN and so forth still make the mistake of talking about him. They they don't know how to talk about someone like him, so they still put him in this context of. You know, I, I they watch, try to I they, watch, try, they try to talk about him like he's a normal politician, like he's like he's yeah, watching Cheney Wolf Blitzer try to contextualize the president's decision today as though there's you know he's a rational politician he's, instead of a syphilitic he's, old. Narcissist. He's completely irrational, and it's it's, just, it's a it's a it's a crime that this guy has been allowed to continue on as long as he has. So, what's so, your next movie, Uwe? <laughs> The only two guys I love to watch every week on HBO is John Oliver and, and Bill Mayer. They don't give up, right? They don't give up hoping for 
common sense that he gets indicted. You know, I mean, any other president would be already like, the, the, uh, he did 20 different things you could indict him for, but nobody cares. It has all no consequences. If right? Barack Obama did even one of those things, he would have been out on his ear. <laughs> yeah. You know, you remember when he, before he turned president, where everybody said, if he doesn't put his uh, companies out of his name in a, in a third party trust, he cannot be president. Right. And what he did, nothing. He gave a no. shit. He no. just didn't change it at all, right? So, and it had no consequences because there was a no attorney, no Democratic Party doing something about it. And uh, uh, and that is the thing. I mean, for example, if he throws Mueller out, right? I think the FBI should go in and arrest him. Well, you're not you're not alone in that belief. And I think if yeah. that if that happened, and they of can't. course we don't know when <clears throat> this is going to be broadcast, but. But also the president is not above the law, right? So, I mean, that is the thing. If, like, if uh, if you just, it's a dictator. That is what Bill Mayer always said. It's if the, all the all the things what a dictator is doing. Trump basically has already, like, from, from 10 uh, things, eight marks on it. All, all, his, all his favorite world leaders are dictators. I mean, he wants to be like Putin. He wants to be like Duterte. He wants, he, he likes that idea. He likes the idea of just getting everything done the sure. way, he, like he did in his business. I want this done, and it's done. You know, yep. nobody to answer to, and that's why he doesn't take anybody's advice. It doesn't matter who's in the cabinet, the worst cabinet in history, but yep. it doesn't matter because he does. He he makes personally all the decisions, and as as people in his in his employ find out, he'll tell them something. They'll go out and say it, and then he'll completely deny it and undercut them and throw them under the bus because he changed his mind. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say I will say two things. I don't know quite when this will drop, but and I don't know if it'll happen before then or after. But he he will fire Mueller, and nothing will come of it. The well, there'll be, will there will be demonstrations. Yes, yeah, there will be demonstrations. The investigation will continue. I I think he's going to fire him. Um, what's it? And the other thing, the only thing I would point out, and I can't, I'm not defending him, but I mean the death count and the destruction done just to this country, let alone the world, by the Bush administration dwarfs anything Trump has done. Yet, yet, and that's the thing. I think it's the. Potential. I don't know the EPA, the CPA thing is pretty bad. It's. I mean, it's very bad. this this is, it, you can't you can't undo that stuff. You no, know, you exactly. can't once you pour the stuff in the lake, it's there. You, but the you good thing is, we've it. already destroyed the environment. We only have about thirty years left. Regardless. Well, you know, and it's that's twenty. Stephen Hawking thought we should go to another planet. And all I yes. can think of is, well, we we haven't finished ruining this one. Why don't we go and mess <laughs> up another one? Um, <laughs> the mass says thank you already in advance. So, uh, but another movie is that will flat. Ladies and gentlemen, I've traveled over half our state to be here tonight. I couldn't get away sooner because my new well was coming in at Coyote Hills and I had to see about it. Ladies and gentlemen, if I say I'm an oil man, you will agree. I'm a family man and I run a family business. This is my son and my partner, H.W. Plainview. You boys are a regular family business. You have a great chance here. My son is a healer and a vessel for the Holy Spirit. He has a church. Then you will be cast up and thrust back to position. I'm fixed like no other company in this field. I have a string of tools ready to put to work. That's why I can guarantee you to start drilling and to put up the cash to back my word. I assure you, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what the others promise to do, when it comes to the showdown, they won't be there. Paul Thomas Anderson, I think, started very strong with Boogie Nights, and uh, Magnolia was a, 
Magnolia was good, but Boogie Nights, I love Boogie Nights. And I think There Would Be Blood uh, was for me the best movie in the last like 10, 12 years at all. Like, I, I think it's, it's an amazing movie. Daniel Day-Lewis at his best. Uh, and it, it, it's about greed. Yeah. Right. So it, it's 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 really like I think it's a good title and uh, where that that priest uh, Paul Dano or whatever the, mm-hmm. the actor was extremely well done, um, very dark but but very real in a way and and um, uh, I was blown away. I mean that was an absolute masterpiece and and uh, yeah and then he did the same. He went the same route down <laughs> like. Like Terrence Malick went down, you know, yeah. like where, where you just watch the, the the last three or four movies he did, and you think like, what the fuck happened to that guy? He has, <laughs> nothing, he has nothing to say anymore. It's I'm going to defend him on one film. I I avoided Phantom Thread like the plague. I've never that seen was a trailer. Very, that was very wise of you. Two and a half minute long trailer that felt like an hour and a half. But no, then I, I finally saw the film. The worst ending of a movie. Oh my God. My I, I absolutely, we might come to blows, Joe. Are I couldn't believe how it's, much it I love that it's film. A, it's, a, it's a bad Alfred Hitchcock presents episode. It's, 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 um, it's it, to, to have that gigantic buildup to an ending, which I, 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 people might not have seen it. So I can't, I can't say it, but it's, it's an ending that is psychologically false and preposterously stupid. And, and to, to expect that anybody could believe the actions of these characters in this movie is, is I, I'm sorry. Well, it leaps I mean, off like, into a... It's uh, like his last picture, which is all close-ups. You know? I'm, I'm, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, I don't know what happened to the guy. All, all I will say is, and, and this may give you more insight into him, is I, I thought Phantom Fred, and, and, it, and that ending stayed with me forever. I think it's one of the most uh, uh, terrifyingly honest movies ever made about marriage. And I'm happily married. I'm saying that as a... <laughs> I, hope, I hope that doesn't portend anything. <laughs> um, but... Uh, I look at this movie. It got Oscar nominations because of... Uh, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis said, it's my last movie. Uh, you know, I mean, after a movie like this, it's maybe, maybe the right decision. You know, maybe it was... Because <laughs> ah, the two of you. ...on a plane, other movies anymore. Uh, you know, but, but it's, it's this kind of... Uh, so popular. Yeah, and, and uh, but then it's the same what I said with Terrence Malick. I mean, how many times you want to have people walking at the beach, looking at each other, uh, you know, or going over a field? And, and I mean, like, what the fuck? You know, like, it, it doesn't make any sense. And also, if you're a good actor, like Michael Fassbinder and all that people, Ben Affleck, you know, they could also, like, totally, uh, uh, instead of saying to him, uh, you know, Terrence, if you make go backwards and you start making good movies again. No, the actors are stupid. They don't see that the movies are total crap and that that guy, whatever, uses money to blow it. But, but you know, like, but a normal actor who knows about filmmaking should tell him it will be boring. Nobody gives a shit about two people smiling at each other in slow-mo at the beach for 25 minutes and it leads to nothing and it starts to nothing. You have no connection to his per- his people in the movie. Zero emotional connection. And that is the the, uh, the, 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 the amazing thing is then because you get like the superstars playing with him, then getting invitations to Cannes, getting invitations to Berlin, you know, because they want Ben Affleck on the red carpet, whatever. And instead of saying like, are you crazy? 
you know, like Thomas the Train is more entertaining for, <laughs> uh, for uh, adults. I, you know, and I, I will just last thing. I really, I disagree with both of you extremely about Phantom Thread, but well, I will say this. Here's my other time. prediction. Robert Mueller will be fired and Daniel Day-Lewis will continue to make movies. That is my... I, I believe that Daniel Day-Lewis will be uh, picked to head the investigation. Oh, there you go. That would be, oh, two birds <laughs> yeah. and one stone. Uwe, <laughs> um, uh, do you have one more film on your list that you can give us in the time we have? Or? Dances with Wolves. Just hear that you've been decorated and they sent you here to be posted. Actually, sir, I'm here at my own request. Why? I've always wanted to see the frontier. Do you want to see the frontier? Yes, sir. Before it's gone. There ain't nothing here, Lieutenant. Everybody's run off and got killed. What about Indians? Ah! Totally different, right? So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, that was also a movie what really uh, uh, got me emotionally uh, like a heavy hitter, a great epic film. Um, and Kevin Costner, um, who I met later for my movie in the name of the King, and he's kind of a prick. And basically, <laughs> Kurt Russell and, and Christian Slater told me the same about working with him that he's kind of a prick. And uh, my uh, producer here, Dan Clark, he was the uh, assistant from Ben um, Eastwood on the Perfect World movie. Mm. And he said also there, the Costner also didn't came out of his trailer, and uh, then Eastwood started shooting without him scenes like where Costner was in and then he uh, he told him like if you're not there I shoot without you and then that made him coming out of his trail but in like 3,000 miles to Graceland Kurt Russell and and Christian uh, uh, Slater they always have to wait and he didn't came and they were like standing on their marks and were ready to go and nothing happened for 10 minutes and so and it, so he, he treated everybody like shit but Kevin Costner in Dances with Wolves nice. I think uh, uh, amazing uh, film uh, um, for me, total masterpiece deserved all the Oscars. Um, and uh, yeah, me as a Western fan, I was happy to see a, a movie like this. Yeah, I, I think he gets that's kind of dissipated in time, its reputation, I think. And well, all um, movies dissipate in time. Well, no, I mean, some sort of people grow in stature <laughs> as, as time goes on. I, I uh, um, but one of the things I like about that, and I'm might be the only person on the planet who likes the postman. You um, probably are. Is that uh, you they are. are, they are, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, they're both very old fashioned Hollywood kind of epic films and mm -hmm. unabashedly and unashamedly. And I think a lot of people miss that with Dances of Wolves. They thought it was something else, but um, I think it works in the context of those kind of classic epic Hollywood uh, Westerns. And and postman, in the postman, the emotional arc was not there. What you have in, in Dances with Wolves, uh, with, with the wolf, but also with his wife, right? So, I mean, it's uh, uh, it's an amazing love story in it. And uh, just, a, I, I think, a, a great movie. I like Robin Hood more as the postman. Oh. Oh, I, I know, sir. The Kevin Costner Robin Hood? Well, that, no, it's, I, I consider it the Alan Rickman, Robert. The Alan Rickman, Since he's the only good thing in it. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> I, I think there's a thing, somebody said this, it should be a rule, because I was not enjoying Robin Hood that much, and then they bring out Sean Connery. And I think the worst thing you can do in a movie is remind people of a better movie about the same subject. <laughs> because I was almost accepting Robin Hood, and then they bring out the star of Robin and Marion, 
and it just uh, a vastly superior film. I will. Uh, no, 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 no. It's not that I like Robin Hood, but yes. I really dislike Postman. So <laughs> okay. They're, they're, they're totally not in the in the same. I, I would give uh, uh, Dances of, of Wolves ten out of ten, and the Postman three out of ten. See, he should have uh, he should have rung twice. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, do you have one more, or shall we? Um... No, I, on my list was of course also the Godfather Part uh, Two, and I mean Part One. I love I love both, right? So. Uh, but who doesn't love that movie? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it's it's just like an, an absolutely classic. Always, also a movie what doesn't age, like Jaws. You can watch The Godfather. Uh, you will never switch it off. It, it's it's super entertaining. And then there are movies like whatever Titanic. You watch in the movie theater, you see it the first time, you think, wow, what a big movie, what a what a great movie. And then you then you see it again and you never want to see it. You switch it off after five minutes. Like I'm unwatchable. And I think a lot of movies like this are basically uh this kind of uh, unwatchable after you watch them already. Yeah, movie, movies of the moment as opposed to movies for uh, all time. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, Uwe, thank you so much for joining yeah. us. Uh, it's been a real pleasure talking about movies and uh, a little sideline into politics there. A little sideline. <laughs> a little sideline, half an hour. Um, but uh, it, it was a wonderful conversation. Thank, thank you, you very for, much for doing Thank that. you for sharing your thoughts. Thanks, thanks for inviting me. Uh, come back anytime. Oh, by the way, and I should plug this. I'm not sure when we'll drop if this will happen, but uh, really, Uwe's challenged Alex Jones to a boxing match. Um, I hope that happens. I know who I would put my money on because I've seen you box film critics. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, I really, I, I support that endeavor. Uh, yeah, but no, that, you know that he forced Alec Baldwin to a boxing match and stuff like this, right? And, and then he takes like steroids and stuff like this. And uh, so, and I despite him, right? I think it's very good that the Sandy Hook people now suing him, like mm -hmm. the parents. But for me, I mean, he's a climate change denier. He's a right corner fascist. But to say to parents, your kids didn't get killed. Oh, he's a monster. It's unbelievable. You know, I would be the parent. I would track him down. I would did that already. And what, what you know, like that is thing. But I felt, you know what? If he has so a big mouth, it's interesting. His ex-wife is twittering all over it. Like Alex, go in the ring, go in the ring. Oh. So it's like, it's, 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 he also still money, whatever. So uh, let's do it as a charity boxing fight. And all the revenues, the winner decides what happens with the revenues. And I said my my money goes to the uh, uh, victims of, of shootings, right? So like, uh, so, and, and uh, of course his money would go to the NRA or whatever, to the Koch brothers or to himself. And uh, so I said, like, we put that on the line. I think there would be some streaming revenues or whatsoever and ticket sales. And but of course, he's not answering because all this kind of people are always pussy. <laughs> you know, they're always in the very end, not like uh, this kind of, uh, you know, they don't have it in them. That is the same with with um, when I was young, I boxed 14 years at Bayer Leverkusen. Right. So and, and our coach was Fitzkunek, who trained the pitch course later. So we were a few times German, like amateur uh, champs. So I'm out of shape. I'm 52. So I have to go back to training, but I would do it, you know, and, and uh, uh, but I know what 
how it feels to get punched in the face. And that is what you learn in boxing. It's, it's not like, I mean, everybody can swing some shots, whatever, you know, and you can be like uh, flipping out, but you learn the real thing if you do the real thing. And so I, I'm not scared to be in the ring with, with Alec Jones because he couldn't take the pressure. You know, that, that it's true. Like if you're not used to it and you get really punched in the face, and the referee doesn't stop it, and there is no like TV host who stops it, uh, then you will have a very good experience for the rest of your life. And that is what I, I want to give it to him. So let's do it. I go back to training. He, he's pumped up. He's heavier as me. He's younger as me. He's so, a large man. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I said, yeah, but I fight for the good thing. And uh, I, I go to Texas. They can have like 80,000 uh, uh, Ku Klux Klan members in the stadium. I go there and fight him. I'm not scared. So uh, he should do it. He should. Absolutely. He should I, it. Um, Joe, I, I mean, would Trailers from Hell officially endorse that? Right? I would certainly endorse that. <laughs> I, well, good luck with we'll that. Well, on the trailer. He should answer. He should say, I'm not doing it because I'm a pussy. Or I do it, right? So, But he should admit to his fan base that he's uh, uh, screaming and being like that tough guy uh, yeah. is a facade. Of course it is. He's crazy. Yes. He's, it's an act. It's all an act. Well, good luck with that. And uh, the and new Rampage film is now out uh, streaming. Is that correct? It's on Netflix. On Netflix, yes. And uh, so good luck with that. And thank you so very much for joining us. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Bye. The Movies That Made Me is the official podcast of Trailers From Hell, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer John Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. We are proud to be part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Learn more at airwavemedia.com. This is Josh Olsen for the movies that made me. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.